Thanks for joining us, and welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall podcast. Periodically, we'll bring you true stories of angelic encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. When we come back, we'll begin our next episode. and welcome back. Today, Jim Woodford shares his near-death experience. Now, Jim died for some 11 hours and has an extensive near-death experience that he shared on national television. This came over the course of a couple of programs, and so I've edited the two programs down to one podcast. It's going to be a little long today, but I wanted to get all the facts that Jim had in his experience of going to heaven. So here now is Jim Woodford with his near-death experience. Well, he's a former airline pilot and businessman whose unexpected journey to heaven is impacting lives around the world, and we're excited to have him share his story with us. Please help me welcome Jim Woodford. Welcome. Ladies. Hello there. <laughs> All the way from Canada. Yeah. Well, in 2014, Jim had a near-death experience and spent 11 hours in eternity. And during this time, the Lord showed him some of the wonders of heaven, along with giving him a glimpse into what hell is really like. And yes, there is a place called hell, and we don't want anybody watching to go there, and neither does God. Well, today he's here to tell us all about this supernatural encounter. Welcome. Thank you, Joni. Thank you for um, coming all the way from Canada and your book, Heaven, An Unexpected Journey. I know we'll barely scratch the surface, so you're going to have to get the book and read every word in it. But let's, we don't have a lot of time. We've got to, we got to, we got to get you dead and back alive again. So um, let's just, I'll, I'm just going to recap. Jim was very successful businessman and airline pilot. I mean, the Lord really blessed you, and all of a sudden, here you have a sickness that comes upon you, and they take you to the hospital, and they find out it's what? Guillain-Barre. What is that, exactly? It's, uh, uh, in a nutshell, it's the, the myelin, your own autoimmune system attacks the myelin sheath on your brainstem, and it's as though you took an electrical cord and cut all the insulation off, and all the signals go wild. Tremendous pain paralysis, difficulty speaking, uh, you name it, it's, it's bad. That had to be a devastating blow for you because here you had been airline pilot, very active, and all of a sudden it just kind of brought you to a halt, didn't it? Yeah, and I ran a number of businesses and, you know, I, I was <laughs> called Diamond Jim because whatever I touched turned, turned to diamonds. Wow. So where was God pre- what your death because yeah. you're you're going to die he's going to die in just a little bit but before that when you all those years of of being successful and then finding out you were sick finding out what you had where was god in the picture i mean how did you how did you see god you know i was raised in a christian home uh, my my family were catholic and i had a good upbringing um and uh, but 
as I got older, I suppose like many of us, I gravitated toward the business of making life and making success, that sort of thing. So, uh, and with my success at whatever I attempted, I developed an arrogance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And slowly, uh, my, I suppose like everyone, I hoped that someone was in charge of the chaos. So I wasn't an agnostic, but I certainly wasn't a true believer. Okay, so let's jump ahead if we could a little bit, because I want to make yes. sure and get all of heaven in, because it's so amazing, the story. You sell a piece of land, and you're, um, you're, you're out of the hospital, but you're addicted to painkillers, because you had pain like 24-7, right? Yeah, it, and, and it wasn't nuisance pain. It was, it was incredible pain. Debilitating. I mentioned uh, to you one time that I actually kept a leather strap by the bed to bite on to keep from screaming wow. in the night and waking the family. Wow. Oh my so, but you know, never once did I call out to God mm. in my stupidity and my arrogance. Oh, wow. But uh, boy, did I learn quick. <laughs> okay, so you got addicted to painkillers because, of course, they, they, that's how he would function through the day. And so eventually, I guess you built up a resistance and you needed more pain medicine and more pain medicine. So on this particular day, you you weren't you hadn't been driving or anything, but you were going to look at a piece of property that you had sold, and because it was back roads, you were going to just go in your truck, yep. and and make sure the markers were correct. Yep. So so pick up there and take us through what happened. And so it was late in the afternoon, um, sun was starting to set, and uh, I drove to this site and I parked the truck, and I didn't do it intentionally, but I was facing the setting sun. Little did I know the sun was setting on the day and on my life. Mm. And uh, I, I was trying to get up the, the energy to get out of the truck. I felt so sick and I had stashed some more medication and I realized I'd already taken more for the day. But you know, pain is a terrible thing. It, it drives you. And uh, I just wanted the relief. And so I took more and I sat back waiting for that to happen. And instead of that nice warmth, warm relief of, of the ache in every bone in my body, uh, suddenly it felt as though my feet were on fire, and I actually look, remember looking down at the floor of the truck, why is there a fire in the truck? And and it spread rapidly up my legs from my fingertips inboard and seized my lungs. And you know when you're dying. Mm. And, and it was though I was drowning because my lungs were collapsing. And I kept raising my head to try to breathe and then I in that last instant someone who had never prayed since I was a child I called out three words that made all the difference from somewhere inside of me Joni that I didn't even know still existed wow. I became instantly aware of all the time I had wasted and all the help that I could have been to people and all the kindness I should have shown and instead, I was completely absorbed in my own wealth and arrogance. And I cried out, God, forgive me. Mm. Those God, three words. forgive me. And I remember my hand was shaking as I tried to reach out to God. And I fell forward and collapsed on the steering wheel. Yeah. So then what happened? I... I can't tell you exactly how long I was over the steering wheel, but I remember waking up. And the first thing I noticed was that I had no pain. This thing that had ruled my life for four years 
I had no pain. It was as though I had taken off a heavy, wet overcoat and the pain with it. I slid out of the truck. I walk about 15 feet away, and I feel incredible. It's a spring evening in April. I can hear the birds. I can smell the, the grass. And for the first time, I have no pain. And I look down at my feet, and it's as though I can see through them. And I, of course, rationalized it and thought, boy, that medication was powerful, but it worked. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so I'm, I'm just standing there absorbed in the feeling of being healthy again. And I turn and look at my truck, and instantly I'm filled with rage because someone is in my truck. Not only that, He's sleeping on the steering wheel. <laughs> and so I turn to go over there and just <laughs> do what guys do and, and uh, tell them I didn't appreciate it. And have you ever had a dream where something's chasing you and you can't move your feet? Yes. That's yes. what it was like. But I managed to inch a little closer and I look up and I, I, words fail me to describe to you the moment when I look into the truck and that realization that that body leaned over the wheel of that truck is not a stranger. It is me. Mm. And I know it's me because my head is this way on the wheel and there's blood gushing from my mouth. Wow. wow. And, but in my arrogance and my, you know, ability to fix anything, fly anything, do anything, I thought if I could just get over there and get back in my body, everything would be okay. Little did I know it was not okay. Suddenly I began to rise and I'm floating upwards and I'm looking down at the truck. I could see my body through the rear window of the truck and I get to, I get, and I'm very aware of the altitude as a pilot and I get up there and I tilt my head back. This beautiful golden circle appears in the sky like a gigantic wedding ring, 60 feet in diameter. The center fills with gold and then the gold swings back. And then as though I had hit all the thrusters on the jets on the aircraft that I used to fly, I went at tremendous speed into that tunnel of light. Um, I'd heard the term before, tunnel of light, and I think most people have, but that's exactly what it was. It's a, it's a, a corridor to, to another place. And um, sometimes, and, and it was almost instantaneous. I went through it. The strangest thing, Joni, was no, typically if you're going fast, you hear the speed of the wind, you feel the wind on your face, nothing, just silence. I come to a door and, and, and it's covered in mist, a door or a portal, and, and I, I lift, I, I know I have no choice but to go through because the tunnel is closing behind me. And so I step through and it's misty, I cannot see, but I look down at my feet, the mist starts to clear, and I can't believe it. I'm standing on the most incredible, beautiful green grass wow. I've ever seen. Each blade lit up. And, and I, know, I now know what they mean by the saying, the grass is always greener on the <laughs> other side. They're talking about heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I look up and the mist clears and I get my first gaze of, of, of paradise. Mm. But there's something interesting. On the right, there's this beautiful field with flowers and mist and, and a beautiful blue sky, but curiously enough, no sun. And as a pilot, that's the first thing I look for to orient myself. Am I northwest? Am I southeast? And I'm looking for the sun. And, and 
But as my gaze traversed to the left, that beautiful green grass went from green to scorched to brown to scorched to black and dropped off in a crevasse. I've always been an inquisitive person. I couldn't get over the dichotomy between the two vistas. And so I walked over very carefully and looked down this pit. And the walls were like black anthracite coal and slippery. And as I look, there's a dim flicker of a red light, not unlike a campfire you would see in the distance on a summer night. But it started to grow larger. And then I heard something really strange, the sound of two large doors creaking open on hinges that had not been oiled for a long time. And along with that came, the flame grew. So looking down, there were, the doors were sideways and the flame grew, grew greater. And then I saw something to my shock amble out from this, and it was massive. It was a creature that Hollywood couldn't replicate. Uh, uh, the most disgusting uh, looking creature, large, with a body of fire and smoke. Mm. Yet it had features not unlike a hyena. Oh, wow. And, and, and it was clearly sniffing and, 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 and searching for something. But then suddenly I saw it pause and then it gazed back up toward me. The look of hatred in the eyes, Joni, of that creature for anything for me and for mankind was palpable. And that combined with the stench of death and decay that came out of that pit, it was as, it was, uh, uh, it was the smell of despair, mm. the smell of despair. Mm. And then what really galvanized me was I, it started to climb up the walls toward me. And for a large creature, it was fairly nimble and quick. How large and, was it? About? Well, it was 60 feet, I guess, it's because huge. when it got up yeah. over the pit, I, it stood in front of me oh, and, uh, and faced like a hyena, snarling. I mean, you know, the old time pastors weren't wrong. We laugh at them now because, yeah. oh, well, how bad can it be? Let me tell you something, folks. You don't want to see what I saw. Yeah. You don't. Mm. And Hollywood couldn't replicate it. And slobbering, it was drooling. I could hear the sound of its drool hitting, the, slapping the ground. And, and, but the worst thing was I heard my name being mm, called. How terrifying. My so. name, or my name. This creature knew me, yeah. I, and I'm trying to rationalize. I wasn't that bad a guy. I didn't think I was. Yeah. I didn't kill anyone. I didn't rob anyone. I didn't hurt anyone. But I wasn't as kind unless I got a tax receipt. Mm. And so I, I, and then along with that, my the name of my 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 name being called, Jim, Jim, we are here for you. Mm. This is your time with us. And, and then the strangest thing happened. They, I heard screaming, but here's the sick part. The screaming was coming from within the body of this creature. It was as though it had consumed souls and they were screaming for release. Oh my goodness. I mean, this is the, this is what hell is. Yeah. This, 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 this is not some fairy tale. Yeah. And, and it came up out of the pit and I staggered backwards and and I turned my back to it to keep my sanity. 
And I felt a claw right down my back. All the while it's calling my name and trying. And I really feel that if, if I had turned around, that would have been acceptance. And I would have been snatched. But instead, remember the three words I cried out? The God trap? forgive me. God forgive me. The next three were magical. <laughs> I turned toward that beautiful vista to my right and I lift both my hands and I cried out, God, God, help me, mm. help me. I, 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 who ignored him, expected nothing. He gave me everything. It's mm. mm. so good. And suddenly three points of light appear in the sky. They come rushing toward me. And, and, and they form, and I realize they're angels. The light came over me and went behind me, and I turned in time to see that light strike the demon. Mm. And when it did, it shrieked and screamed and scrambled back down in that pit. Darkness and evil cannot exist in the light of yes. God. Wow. Okay, so when you said, help me God, and those those three points of light started to come through, yeah. what what happened? Well, <laughs> I'm, and they came from different points, you know, as a pilot, I was trying to figure out what points of the compass are they coming from? And <laughs> they all joined into one and came and made a beautiful landing. I was really impressed with the landing, because <laughs> they were coming in hot. <laughs> And, uh, they had to, quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when the, the demons scrambled back down the pit, they came right up to me, and I realized I'm looking at these three magnificent creatures of God, something that I thought was a Christmas card legend, you know? And, and, and they're, they're coming toward me, and the first one is about 10 feet tall, the next one is about 13 feet tall, and the one coming behind was about 15 feet tall and built and dressed like a warrior. And... Uh, and they came right up to me, and and uh, I. The, the, the curious thing is, people say you say he and or she. That's because I don't. It's like they had a combination of the 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 gentleness and determination of a woman, but the physical strength of a man, you know. But to me, they were the best of all of us, but not us. <laughs> and. Uh, and, and so they, they came right up to me, and the, the, I've discovered later the first one coming to me, toward me was my guardian angel. But came right up to me, and, put his, and I'm looking up into those violet eyes, beautiful, beautiful eyes, and <laughs> violet eyes, and, and silver hair, two spires of golden light. I didn't see wings in the, in the traditional feathers. It was more of a light, and, and they canted inwards and created this halo of gold over their silver hair, which I think gives us the idea of a halo. It's not. It's a, it's a refraction of the light. Anyway, um, and, and an arm comes around me, and then a huge wing comes out around me and gathers me, and there I am, cuddled up to the chest of an angel, mm. <laughs> being, being hugged to an angel. And, Joni, people say to me, Jim, what's it like to be hugged by an angel? And I really struggle with that. How do you describe that? And here's what it is. Being hugged by an angel of God is like being hugged by 50 grandmothers at once. <laughs> yeah, so I was telling Joni earlier, all my life I've loved horses. We come to a, a fence and... Uh, the guardian says, James, look, and he raises his hand and does this, and around this clump of trees come three of the most magnificent horses. 
and uh, they came right up to the fence, and uh, and I put my hand through uh, to stroke the horse's neck. They were so magnificent, and my hand went right into its body, a being of light. And when I pulled my hand back, the most incredible thing happened. The light of the animal's body, the horse's body, clung to my hand till I got it back about 10 inches and then let go and went back into its body. And I call that the sticky love of God. Wow. God's love wants to cling to you. It wants you back. We'll be right back with more after this message. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us each week for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's The Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube. Please join us on the Watchman News Network. It's a video news presentation of relevant stories dealing with end time topics. Just subscribe to the Watchman on the Wall podcast on YouTube and you will instantly have access to our latest WNN report. That's the Watchman News Network exclusively found on YouTube. Turn now with Jim Woodford telling his story of being in heaven. People asked me, you know, did you see your family or because my dad died when I was two? And I said no. And and I said I didn't realize it at the time, but I realize now they didn't you can't step on the ground of heaven and ever come back out. Once you go through the second veil, you, you don't come back out. But the the guardian asked me to hold his cloak and I, I held it and suddenly we're above mm. and he made a motion and I thought at first it was a reflecting pool but then it opened up and I'm looking at heaven and so he's flying and I'm hanging on Wow! and I get this aerial <laughs> view of heaven which was video games <laughs> a lot of people can relate to yeah. and but but again he knew that the focal point for me as a pilot was I was used to looking at the ground mm. from from 30,000 feet or less. And so I, I'm shown how the city of heaven is laid out and the size of it and the enormity of it and the citizens of it. And I have to tell you this, and, and my vision had changed. I, could, I had almost like an omnivision and I could focus on the, the mountains of heaven and see the petals of the flower mm. or look back down and see the face of someone as people say well that sounds confusing it was no worse than texting and watching tv you know <laughs> yeah it was second nature and i we see all these magnificent buildings but i have to tell you quickly this one thing because so many women have come up to me crying <laughs> to tell me that it gave her hope and what i saw was mm. not just the halls of learning the hall of mu the halls of music the halls of records the halls of healing I said, why would you need, I said, why would you need a hall right. of healing in heaven? He said, James, 
Many times people come to us very quickly, as you did in tragic circumstances. And we need a period of reflection and healing for their soul to understand what happened and what happens next. And, and that they are cared for and they are loved and they're forever, they're to their forever home. And so it was just um, amazing to, to, to see that. Really there was. was one particular building that stood out. I'm trying not to make it sound Las Vegasy. It had a, a kind of a pink and blue aura to the. The building is not stone. It's it's carved from light. Everything is light in heaven, and there was this light that gently faded and, and went back and forth in it, and it was pink and blue and gold. And I said to the guardian, "What's this building?" And he said, "That James." is the nursery. Mm. And I said, nursery in heaven? And he said, yes, this is where the souls of aborted children mm. or children who have died at birth or in their innocence through disease or accident. And those little souls are precious to God. Or even we, miscarriages. Because, and miscarriages. Because you Absolutely. said that the soul is created at yes. the time of conception. Yes. That there's a light that yes. comes from God into that eternal soul. Exactly, Amazing. exactly. Oh. And so that's gathered back. And, and, and I remember saying this to the guardian. I said, are, well, are they like children on earth? And he looked at me with this little smile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. Are they still like babies? Did, a lot of did, work. Did he tell you that they mature faster in they, heaven? They do, because, uh, and then he went on to explain that because they're not growing a, a, a human body, uh, they're growing a body of light. They age at three times, a factor of three times. So a child that would be two on earth would be six in heaven. Wow. At three, they're nine. Then you join the general populace of heaven and your family. Uh, and your family can be with you when you're in the nursery. Um, but here's an amazing thing. Hmm. No, everyone in heaven looked to me, with a few exceptions, to be in their early 30s. And the guardian said, yes, James, no one in heaven is any older than Jesus was when he died at 33. The most incredible thing is this feeling. Your intellect tells you that this can't be right, but your soul tells you it is. Hmm. What I mean by that is, I felt when Jesus looked at me, I felt like I was the only one he'd ever created. Hmm. It was that personal moment. And you'll feel it. You'll all feel it. I can't wait. Wow. You know? And, and he knew me. He knew everything about me. Because <laughs> I had the strangest feeling that I had come home. Yeah. I was home. Yeah. And although I, I loved my family and my wife and so on, and yet to me it felt like it was only going to be about a couple of hours. They're going to be with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. It felt in, like in a couple hours. In eternity hours. time. While I was watching the horses... I looked for the the guardian, and I turned, and just maybe 50 feet away, there was a slight rise in the ground. And up on that rise was the angel, and he was in a kneeling position, bent over, and he was holding a little slim book in his hands, no bigger than a cheap roadside menu. He was holding it like this. And for the first time, I saw another figure standing facing the angel who was bent. But clearly there was something extraordinary about this, about this new creature because 
there was like a, a, a golden light that fly, flew, flowed from the top down all sides of his body. It behaved like slow moving gold water. Uh, wow. but, it, but it was light, but it had the substance of water. And, and because it was on a rise, it, it was coming down and flowing down toward me, this golden light off the body. And I noticed something wonderful. Although the flowers were incredibly beautiful, wherever that golden water touched them, they bloomed wow. again, even more beautiful and larger again. And I watched in amazement as it came down and pooled around my feet. And it was at that moment it was at that moment that the guardian looked at me with those violet eyes, holding the book up, and he said to me, James, what did you do with the life my master gave you? And I had no answer. With all the resources that I had and all the kindness I could have done, oh, I gave to charity if I got a tax receipt, I could have done so much more. And you know, the novel Scrooge by Charles Dickens has a wonderful line in it, and I quote it in the book. Mankind should have been my business. Mm. Mankind should have been my business. But I was completely involved in myself and my own ego. And so... Were you sad that you didn't have more on your pages? Oh, I mean, the book was like a cheap roadside diner menu. And I couldn't believe this was all. I thought I had lived the life that was the epitome of the American Canadian dream. Yeah. Wealth sufficient to do anything I wanted, a fleet of British sports cars, large boat, airplanes, yeah. horses, beautiful wife. Mm. I mean, how does it get any better? But you know something? I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd say to myself, is this all there is? Mm. And I thought I needed a newer car mm. or a newer plane. And I'd go out and I'd buy them the next day. Didn't help. Didn't feel that what way. I was missing was God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, and so that's, that's so important because we've become such a culture of consumerism. Yeah. And we need to keep, and that's not bad, but we have to keep it in balance. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's so wonderful that you folks make a living out of talking about God, uh, yeah. helping people. You know? Okay, so the person that okay. the Guardian was <laughs> talking to and reading about your life and your accomplishments, yeah. then um, he finished so reading. He, he finished the book, disappeared. And then that figure turned toward me. And the golden light stopped flowing. The waver vanished. And I realized... I was looking at the face of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wow. Someone that I thought was just some dusty old legend. Mm -hmm. And here I'm looking at him. And in and he smiled at me. And I fell to my knees. And I but I still tried to move toward him. And that look of kindness, and in those eyes of blue and green and gray, I saw eternity. Mm -hmm. I saw sadness for the life I had lived. I saw sadness for the way mankind has ignored his father's message. But I also saw forgiveness and love for me. And that was the moment I referred to eight minutes ago when I felt that I was the only one mm -hmm. he'd ever created. Wow. He smiled at me and I, I started to go closer and he raised his hand in an unmistakable gesture of 
come no closer. And so... Did you I, see anything when he raised his hand? Yes. Oh. <laughs> when he raised his hand, the sleeve of his cloak dropped back, mm. and there was the mm. mark of the crucifixion. And you know, when I saw that, I felt that I had held the hammer and driven the nails. Mm. I mean, it was overwhelming what we did to that man. And, 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 but he forgave me, you know. Mm -hmm. He forgave all of us. And, and what did he say to you? Because he said, it's not your time. He, he looked at me and, and then I realized, and he smiled even wider. And then he said, he gently nodded his head. And then he said to me these words. Now his hand was still up in a motion not to come forward. He said, James, my son, this is not yet your time. Go back, tell your brothers and sisters of the wonders we have shown you. And his hand came down and folded over his left. And then the full enormity struck me, that I was being sent back, that I wasn't being allowed to stay. And I started to beg, I started to plead, I started to cry. Don't send me back, please, Jesus, don't send me back. Do you all see that back. no one wants to no, come back? Baby, this is what I've yearned for all my life, please. And then I said this, which I'm eternally ashamed of. I said, please don't send me back, please don't, don't. Let me stay, I won't be any trouble. <laughs> And suddenly two angels are beside me, and I actually wrestled with them <laughs> to try to, you know, which was kind of <laughs> useless. Uh, and, uh, but I, as they moved me away, I looked back over my shoulder to plead one more time, and Jesus was gone. But standing exactly in the place where Jesus had stood was the warrior angel. Mm. And all of a sudden, he began to grow. He was already 15 feet tall. And he let out these wings to their full wingspan, mm. 12 feet on either side. And the wings opened up like this. And he glowed like the sun. Mm. And the message was, the way forward for you is now closed. Wow. You know, we've got it all backwards. We think we are humans with a spirit or soul. We're not. We are spirits and souls encased in a human body. That's true. We got it all backwards. That's true. Our real home is there, right. not here. And, and, and so there's that. There's this incredible peace and, and the infinity of love endless love and that's you know that's a word we throw away so easily i love doritos i love this i love that i love god oh that's nice but the love that he has for us is beyond any love we've ever experienced the closest thing that we have on earth to god's love for us is a mother's love for her child we came from him your child comes from you. Mm. Um, <laughs> but you've got to go back. So what was, what did that look like? What did it feel like? Well, remember how beautiful it was going up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so beautiful coming back. <laughs> All of us, 
and it was instantaneous. Like suddenly I was in a tunnel and it's wet and cold oh, no. and painful. And I shouldn't say this on TV, but honestly, I felt like I was flushed. Wow. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe this rush of water and pain. And, 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 uh, and I guess I found out after that was the very instant that uh, this young nurse who was on that night uh, had decided to, to look in on me because um, she heard the, uh, the machine beeping that I was evidently giving a signal that I was trying to breathe on my own. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I even talked to the neurologist support, yeah. after, and, and I said, look, it's important for me. I had this incredible experience. I know it's real, but tell me, was I dreaming? Was I hallucinating from the drug that I took? He said, Jim, he said, when we have you on the screen, we can tell if you're dreaming. We can wow. tell if you're, you know, what's going on. And there was no brain activity. That is the sign of clinical death. They were only and keeping, they were only you keeping on life me support. on. My wife's a nurse, and she asked the doctor to keep me on life support until my kids came home to say, to kiss me goodbye. They were in the air on their way back. They were in the air. Okay, so wow. she walks in. Lorraine was in the quiet room with her sisters making funeral oh. arrangements. Wow. And then you're in a room with other corpses getting ready to go to the... Yeah. They were busy. I found it after. So they wheeled me off to a room with the equipment attached you know, where they put corpses before they go to the morgue. I don't recall any of them saying anything. <laughs> But that's how dead you were. But you yeah. still had all the equipment was still... Yeah, they, it's mobile. Okay. Yeah, it's a trauma. Group. So the nurse comes in because she hears the beeping. And what happened? And, and I guess it was this very instant because the lights were off. They, they, she flashed on the lights and at that moment I come <laughs> screaming up off the girl. <laughs> Can you imagine? Or off the, the, off the hospital. That nurse must Poor nurse. And, so and, and I've got all this, these tubes. I've got a trach. And I'm gurgling and croaking and choking and... And uh, wow. a poor little girl. She was. She'd only been there two months. I found out. <laughs> I found out later. She moved to pediatrics the next week. <laughs> oh, you broke her in really fast. <laughs> what did she do? Did she pull the tubes out, or did you pull them? Well, out? The, they all came running. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she and, cleaned your wife. And uh, my blood. I went from purple because all the blood. When you die, all your blood goes to the bottom part of your body. So the upper part's white. The bottom is really this ugly purple. And so then I started to get pink. I had complete renal failure. Everything started to work. I became pink. <laughs> I came, as the blood started to come back through me. And, and the I, disease that you had. The... Yeah, and, and a couple of days later, they said to me, this is strange. We find the markers in your blood for the Guillain-Barre, but you had no symptoms. Wow. Healed. Healed. Praise God. Yes. Okay, so... They had to take all the tubes out and all that, but your wife came running yes, in there. Yeah. And what, so and they, what did you say? So they went and got her, and they, and the choir was little, Lorraine, come quick, come quick, your husband's reviving. <laughs> <laughs> and she had just, you know, been told hours before there was no hope, and if he did come back, yeah, he'd be a vegetable. Yeah. And that was my greatest fear. Yeah, so uh, Lorraine climbs up on the bed, and I look at her pretty face, and eventually they see my blood pressure stabilize. They remove the the intubation, and I look into, the, into her pretty eyes, and I said, Lorraine, Lorraine, I saw Jesus, and Jesus has horses. <laughs> <laughs>
And she's probably thinking at that point, okay, this is... Well, she told me after I was watching you carefully because she's a nurse and she's, you know, people have all, that have been supposedly brain dead come back with all kinds of... Yeah. But I had these incredible stories of light and beauty and... Uh-huh. And, 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 and what about she had your been kids? praying for you all those years. Yes. I found out after, God bless her, how I ever convinced that girl to marry me is beyond me. <laughs> I'm the patron saint of lost cases. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, but she uh, she had prayed for years when she went to church on a Sunday, and I went riding or flying and take my sports cars out or a Corvette meet or a British car meet. Uh, she'd go to church and uh, and she uh, would pray, please God. You may have to break him to remake him. Mm. Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us on our new video channel called Encounters from Beyond the Veil. It's the same exciting content as our audio podcast, but in a shorter, but yet a video format. Also, please subscribe so you won't miss any of our episodes. That's Encounters from Beyond the Veil, exclusively found on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Any comments or suggestions you may have, you can send to the Watchman on the Wall 2020 at gmail.com. We encourage you to subscribe, so you'll always be notified of our future episodes. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Watchman on the Wall podcast.